With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Tour Report from Secret Golf. Well, this week we're back to another one of these massive elevated events. The, the tour is spoiling us, Elk, because in five events, we're going to have four of these $20 million purse elevated events um, after the Honda Classic last week. But I have to say, going back to the Honda, and I know that you watched the final round and the playoff between Chris Kirk and Eric Cole, who's a rookie on the tour. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about him a little later as well. But Chris Kirk getting it done, um, a very emotional win, huge victory for him at um, PGA National. And it was a brilliant tournament. I had a great time watching it over the weekend. Yeah, and you know what I really enjoyed about Chris Kirk, who I know pretty well, I was loving seeing his rhythm. And, you know, with so much emphasis nowadays on Tour Diane about speed, 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 I've always felt like, and a lot of a lot of guys that play good iron players feel like when they have their swing going the best is when they're literally just dropping the club on the ball in a very sort of heavy, sort of sledgehammer-looking swing. And that's what... You know, Chris Kirk just had that, you know, slow up and then just dropping it on there. And, yes, he, he stumbled around a little bit towards the end. It was a great playoff. Uh, we met, of course, a new player, Eric Cole, who's, whose mother was Laura Barr, 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 Laura, whose mother is Laura Barr back in the day. I remember watching her. Uh, so it was very interesting, you know, watching the emergence of a new player. Mm-hmm. But all, all credit to Chris Kirk with his tempo, playing around a very windy course, a very dangerous course. It's a good lesson for people to realize that when you get under a lot of pressure, you don't have to try to hit the ball, don't have to smash it. He just stayed with his rhythm. Yeah, although that um, the hitting the ball in the water on 18 was just... <laughs> gut-wrenching however it just shows you know that was his fifth PGA Tour win and someone who's been in that situation before where they know what's on the line you know took his drop and then stuck it and obviously you know that that put him in the playoff but gosh it was like heart in your mouth at that moment you're like he can't throw this away (laughs) 
Yeah, and, you know, the tour, Jack Nicholas being on the telecast talking about that the tour has promised him next year it's going to be a better field. Mm-hmm. So it's very clear, Diane, that everybody realizes that there's sort of two tours now on the PGA. There's this sort of elevated ones we're going to enjoy this week and next week. And then there's the left behind. So Honda's not going to be there next year, maybe, although they've told Jack that they're going to play at, uh, at this, they're going to play this tournament again. Um, very interesting times. Yeah, well, that was the Hondas last year of sponsoring the event. But um, I thought Jack's interview was very honest. I mean, he, he you could tell that obviously the field strength, he was very aware of the fact that it was a lot weaker than he had hoped and, and a lot weaker than he'd seen in previous years. But also they had a terrible position in the schedule. And we just said we've had four, we have four elevated events in five and the Honda's the one that falls in the middle. Um, obviously this week, the Arnold Palmer Invitational and then the Players' Championship next week. So um, yeah, you hope, because it's such a great tournament. Um, Jack and Barbara do so much they've raised so much money for their charity there and helped so many kids and seeing PGA National and the Bear Trap playing as an absolute beast it's a really entertaining tournament to watch and you hope that it does kind of get back to to where it deserves to be Yeah, the course is one of the stars uh, of course PGA National's had so much history there Ryder Cups back in the day Uh, you know when you tune in that's the reason I did I wanted to see the guys come through the Bear Trap uh, one more time uh, so much drama there involved. Yeah. Um, it's a great event, no doubt about it. We do move gears now, Diane, to uh, Bay Hill, which, you know, of course, Arnold Palmer was the one. This is his event, and his memory will be well and truly solidified this week with his statue and all the memorabilia around the clubhouse. But to be honest with you, Diane, when this wasn't a top 20, of, uh, when this wasn't an elevated event, a lot of a lot of players might skip Bay Hill because it's on a small piece of property. There is a lot of dog leg holes. John Rahm is back in action this week. Will he be able to conquer six dog leg lefts and three dog leg rights? Probably, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to break it down. But John Rahm's only ever played at Bay Hill one time, so that tells you right there uh, something. And has never won on the East Coast either. So there's, I mean, he's obviously the strong favourite again this week after winning, what, five times in nine worldwide starts. Um, But yeah, as you say, a lot of the guys have skipped it before and it's been kind of a sporadic feature for them. But you have a great story about Arnold Palmer asking you to come and play at this event. This was never one of your favourites, was it? No, this tournament, Bay Hill, was always something that I never could do any good at i would i would 75 was my average score i think around bay hill but i was playing in the in the doral tournament which was about two weeks before this event in 1997 and i got a call from arnold palmer telling asking me to be at a party a function at bay hill in two weeks in the locker room i'll meet you at 5 (laughs) p.m i hadn't even committed i hadn't even committed to the tournament diane so I said, I'll be there. I hung up the phone. I committed to the event, went to the function. Uh, I finished up winning the tournament in Doral that week. Um, went on to Bay Hill, playing some of the best golf of my career. Did my pair of 75s. Had <laughs> trouble playing the dog legs. Didn't know what to do on certain holes. Couldn't, weren't long enough to cut across. Too long to go down this way. Went on, went on to the next week and won the Players' Championship. So in between two wins, I had my... Bermuda Triangle, as we say, Diane, can't make it work, couldn't figure it out, and it's always been that way. However, 
I love everything about Bay Hill. Well, it's funny that you mentioned 75 being your average score because remember last year, the weather was crazy at the weekend. Scotty Scheffler went on to win on the Sunday, but the the scoring average was 75.48 on Sunday last year. Um, And what, minus five he won at. Remember in 2020 when Terrell Hatton went on to win, he had great rounds Thursday, Friday, was over par Saturday and Sunday and won at minus four. So this is one of those tournaments that can be extremely unpredictable. Yes, it's in Orlando. The wind really picks up and can swirl around here. Um, And as you say, a lot of guys have skipped in the past because they don't want to feel completely beat up when they're turning up at the Players' Championship next week. I remember last year speaking to Mark Leishman, and this is a tournament he's won before. And and we talked about that exact thing that, you know, Bay Hill mentally can just take it out of you. And then you're heading to a massive event at TVC Sawgrass and you just feel a little bit drained. It is a great course to practice for uh, the Players' Championship because there's so many uh, tight shots at Bay Hill across corners. Mm-hmm. Of course, this was where Bryson DeChambeau, uh, the now, you know, forgotten person of the tour went for the green on number six diane flew at 390 yards in the air it threw rory McElroy off his game rory bit off more than he wanted to and went into the water it cost him bryson went on to win the tournament and what was this a few few years ago now all this has changed that was he was heroic at the time and how things have changed indeed diane but that shot across that water was probably the best drive I've seen on the tour, maybe in in my watching the tour for 40 years. Yeah, the par five, sixth hole. Also the scene of John Daly's 18 back in 1998. So um, it's... Yeah, I think I'm, I was there for that one. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure you were. But it's, um, yeah, a lot of water again. Um, and it's going to be interesting to dig through the field this week. We've talked about the strength of field. 44 of the top 50 in the world going to be teeing it up this week, which is just amazing. That The best field that we've seen since the Open Championship last summer. Um, we're going to dig through our picks. As always, we're going to give outright favourites, ones to watch, and then dark horses. But let's talk a little bit more about the course as well. And, um, you know, Bayhill's known for having some of the, the, the toughest rough to play from on tour. And then you alluded to the fact, obviously, a lot of these dogleg shots. Guys are going to, again, scale back off the tee. Yeah, when you think of Bay Hill, you know, I immediately think of Tiger Woods. I think he's had nine victories, I think, at Bay Hill, eight, something like that, ridiculous, four in a row at one point. But a lot of dogleg holes, small piece of property, um, lots of water, as you said, takes a fair amount of strategy. This course was so perfect for Tiger, great iron player, great pressure putter, back on Bermuda greens. Um, As you said, windy. It's just there's two kinds of players that have won here. We've seen some super short players do really well on this course, like Lauren Roberts won it a couple of times. Uh, Brian Gay, the shortest hitter on tour, won this tournament. Um, your friend. Uh, Matt Every. <laughs> Matt Every. Did he win it twice or at least Matt, once? Two in a won row. It twice. But if you are a short hitter, it actually sort of helps you off the tee, Diane, because you don't have to make a decision about cutting across. But you better be a great putter. You can't win this tournament uh, being a short hitter without being a great putter. Very long par threes. That was what sort of undid it for me. I was back there hitting a two iron or a three iron. I was a low hitter. I was watching these other guys throw it up in the air and, and stop on these greens from 230 yards away. And 
frustrating for me. And never, that was back before they had hybrids and all these other clubs now, Diane. But uh, nonetheless, it's a, it's a great event. As I said earlier, a lot of people skip this event, but nobody skips for $20 million anymore. That would be That would be crazy. So you said something there that I want to talk about when it comes to our stats and all of our research that we've done this week. Um, you said you have to be a great putter to do well around Bay Hill. Now, we have our full stat sheet that we put hours and hours of work into every week, and it really helps with our picks. And it's available for you to look at on our app, SG Tour. Um, and you can really dive in and find some interesting things. And, and that's what we spend so much time doing every week. But... Let's talk about putting average versus ball striking right now on the tour. And we're looking at tournaments since the start of this calendar year. And you, you, had, you had thrown up something interesting. You asked me the question that you asked me earlier, and we'll go into it. Well, I would, you know, we study trends, right? I think, I think data represents about 30% of making a solid pick on tour for an event. I think another 30% is history on that course and current form. And then I think 30%, the last 30% or so is attitude, how the player is feeling, what, where are they in their life? Are they, are they aggressive? Thinking about John Rahm, who's very aggressive, very, you know, clear-minded, then thinking someone about your brother who maybe is not happy with his game and can't get his confidence going or whatever. So it's a 30-30-30, and then there's another 10% we throw in at the end. But I was asking you a question in, before the show. It said, if you were to take, Diane, uh, top five putting performance on the West Coast, let's say for five weeks straight you were on top five of the tour in putting, or you could take top five in ball striking for the same five events, which one would make the most money? And my initial instinct was to go with ball striking. Um, let's talk about what our ball striking stat consists of. So we're distance, accuracy, and greens and regulation. So we yes, can... and, and percentages from the fairway to you know hit a hit a shot next. You know, so you've got them right there. What are they? You you read them out there. I can't read them. They're too small. But we've got uh, ball striking, uh, birdie or better from the from the fairway, scrambling. Uh, greens and red, driving accuracy, driving distance, all combined, right? All the ball striking stats and scrambling. So I would say ball striking. That would be my first gut reaction was to say, guys, that we're doing well consistently over those five tournaments in ball striking, giving themselves opportunities on tough courses. I mean, Tory Pines, uh, Riviera, I'm going to put ball striking as my top <laughs> Well, anyone can come and check it out for themselves this week on our on our SG Tour app and go to the data page. But if you putt good right now, Diane, on tour, you slaughter ball striking. Wow. You win, you win way more money, way more everything if you putt good than you do ball striking right now. Wow. And the examples, there was two names that were kind of jumping out to us as examples. And uh, Taylor Montgomery, someone that I've been so big on. <laughs> and he had a great fall season. He's sitting at number um, 14 in the FedEx Cup standings right now. So he's made a ton of money. Um, and he's a great putter. He's number one putter on tour right now. And for the whole of the West Coast Swing, there was one event that he missed. He's been within the top three in putting average, which is just amazing. And, you know, obviously we talked about the great full swing that he had, but he's maintained a spot within that top 15 in FedEx Cup standings. Yeah, barely in the top 100 in ball striking. 
Um, you know, you look at a trend like that, you think, okay, Taylor Montgomery, does he go home? Does he get a lesson from his coach? Keeps his keeps his number one ranking in putting, and all of a sudden he upgrades his swing action and yeah. something clicks for him. That's what we're trying to figure out. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, there's another name. I'm going to leave him right now, though, because he's one of my picks this week. But he's actually been trending in both those categories, which is definitely showing in his results, ball striking and putting average. But we'll move but hey, The other name was Hayden Buckley, who's top, top six in ball striker. Uh, for the whole West Coast, only two spots uh, higher than John Rahm, if you can believe that, Hayden Buckley. And he hasn't won near as much money as Taylor Montgomery and a ton less than John Rahm. So without the putting component, Diane, there, uh, and I think you've got it in front of you, <clears throat> what's Hayden Buck Buckley's putting average? Yeah. I got it. Uh, 90th and 140th in making birdies. Mm -hmm. But yeah. top five, top five in ball striking on tour. I'll give you another example, and and you know it was we we know that this guy had one incredible week um, in Phoenix that won him over two million dollars. But Nick Taylor, his putting average, he was nineteenth, twenty fifth, seventeenth, seventh, and eleventh. And then you look at his ball striking; he was a hundred and sixty one being his or hundred and seventy being his highest, and his lowest was a hundred nineteenth. And Nick Taylor is now seventeenth in the FedEx Cup standings. So. Yeah, so, so people know, we, we look at the trends of after each week. So when Nick Taylor finished his performance in Phoenix Open Waste Management, we look at his ranking on the tour, not for the week, on the tour totally and see where how, how which way he's trending, whether he's going up or down. Mm -hmm. Yep. So go and check it out because it's really interesting to really like – troll through everything and see the data see the numbers and how we interpret it because we do it differently to anyone else as well but it's all available on the sg tour golf gaming app okay well we're taking all of that and we're going to move on to our picks for this week the arnold palmer invitational at bay hill um do you want to start with your outright favorite as we said all the big uh, guns in action this I'll, I'll start by leading you into it because we both had the same star <laughs> player that we wanted to pick and you know, when I think of this player that is going to be your pick this week, was going to be my pick. I'm looking at his data, and he's fixed some significant things in his game that we're both we both saw in this in this box here. Particularly, his putting and his chipping. But you know, I don't. I, I I know for sure that you don't have to be a high right to left player like a draw player like Xander Schauffele or this player to play Bay Hill because Tiger Woods won nine of them and he was left to right. Mm -hmm. But this man uh, is red hot, in my opinion, and I'm going to leave it up to you because we both were going to pick him, but it's yours. I know. We actually overlapped on a few this week. I think it's been the first time ever. It's been a bit of a trend of late. <laughs> we still need to get our outright winner to, to hit, though. Um, Will Zalatoris is going to be the guy this week at 25 to 1. Now, the main... There, there's a lot of reasons, and as you just talked about it, the data backs it up completely. But when you look at guys that perform well on tough golf courses, Will Zalatoris is the man. I mean, he finished runner-up in two of the four majors last year, T6 at the Masters, he had top five finishes at Muirfield Village and at Torrey Pines. Um, and then he was sidelined because of injury for you know the second half of 2022, beginning in the FedEx Cup playoffs. But then... 
just finished in a tie for fourth at the Genesis at Riviera. Again, another tough course. So Will Zalatoris is well and truly back. But when you look at his four starts in 2023, the putting has greatly improved. And it's always been the black mark over his game. But how fantastic for him to know that he's heading in the right direction. And right now, looking at his putting average, he is sitting at eighth, which is... Yeah, top top 10 phenomenal. for Will Zalatoris. The only other thing he has trouble with, back in the middle of the West Coast, he was ranked 174th in, in up and down around the greens and scrambling, but he's he's cut that in half. He's into the 70s. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at Will Zalatoris and I'm looking at what he's been doing. Um, it's impressive. He's top 10 ball striker and now top 10 putter, and he's kind of fixed his chipping. So and that's why we both were picking him. He's had a top 10 at Bay Hill before as well in 2021. So coming back to a course that he's played well at before. But I think Will Zalatoris has to be the pick this week. And at 25 to 1, you know, John Ram is six and a half to one. Um, you go down the list and you see that Will Zalatoris' odds are, you know, really good. Rory's eight and a half to one. Um, so I like him, you know, as you say, we both went to pick him this week. But have you got someone else that you're going to throw into the mix? Well, well, yeah, and, and this player is currently number four in the FedEx Cup. So he's no slouch either. A name that you're not as comfy or heard on this show that many times, but... Seamus Power, who is top five in putting average on tour, he has green across the board, hits it good, played the last three weeks. Everything I'm seeing with Seamus Power, I think this is kind of a week where if you're a top five player and, you, and you're number four in the FedEx, are you really going to be that intimidated and affected by all these super players around you? I don't, I don't, I just don't think so. He's, he's from Ireland. He's a good win player. But more than anything, his stats don't lie and he's got a lot of confidence. So I'm going to ride a bit of a horse here at 80 to one. I think I got him at this week, uh, which is pretty good for an A player, Diane. Yeah, really good. Um, The other name that I was back and forth was Jason Day um, because this is a course that Jason Day's won at before, but he has finished within the top 10 in three of his four starts this year, fifth place at the WM Phoenix open. Um, as I said, won this tournament in 2016 and has finished within the top 25 another four times. Um, And huge improvement in all the stats for Jason Day. So he's 33 to one. The reason I didn't pick him is I feel like I want to save him for next week. (laughs) Again, back to the players and another tournament that he's won at. So um, yeah, but Jason Day, definitely worth a look this week at 33 to one. Good. Okay, so we're going to move on to our ones to watch. And I say guys with slightly higher odds, but you're straight out of the gate with an 80 to 1. <laughs> I am. And this this man plays this course very well. Good friend of Arnold Palmer. Um, you know, Ricky Fowler went back to working with Butch Harmon in the offseason. I'm looking at his stats five weeks ago, Diane, out there at the Farmers. He was, you know... 70th in birdie average. He was, you know, 100th in putting average. Now, coming out of the West Coast, Diane, I've got Ricky, his stats are off the charts. Number nine in ball striking. He was terrible last year, if you recall. Uh, top 20 in, in percentages of hitting the green from the fairway. Uh, just just going up in every category. Every every category has improved, and he's, he's played this tournament 10 times. He's made the cut nine Honestly, I just don't see how, and he's back in Bermuda, he's back in Florida. I just think Ricky Fowler is going to have a great week. 
and he's 80 to 1, and there's, there is these horses for courses, and he knows how to play this course, not intimidated, and it, he has the same data I do. I do, Diane, so he knows he's getting better every week. You uh, you picked him earlier this year, and you said that it might be the final time you pick him if he didn't do something for you, and he didn't let you down. And as you say, a real pickup in his game, which everyone celebrates. Everyone wants Ricky Fowler to do well. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great representative of uh, his company that he works for. He wears the logo well. I remember when he wore the pink with the uh, the Bay Hill gear a couple of years ago, uh, honoring Arnold. Uh, I love everything about Ricky Fowler, but what I like the most is he's hitting it good again. Yeah. He's been all over the show for a couple of years, and Butch Harmon's done it again. He's got him back on track. Yeah. Butch Harmon said to me recently, we were at the Florida together, and he said Ricky Fowler will win this year on tour. Okay. So. There you, there you have it. All right. Well, um, moving on to mine, I'm conflicted right now because the guy that I really wanted to pick, he's 125 to 1. So I'm thinking, or well, 110, between 110 to 125 to 1. I found him at 125 yesterday, but it might have dropped slightly. So he could be a dark horse. Um, and this is another guy that you liked this week, but Tom Hoagie, going to throw him into the mix. Brilliant odds. Um We've talked about long iron play being vital this week and looking at greens and reg from 200 yards plus, Tom Hoagie's sitting second on the PGA Tour. So definitely the strength of his game. He was T15 here in 2020. He finished tied for 14th at the Genesis. And the thing with Hoagie is the, the putter. Let me have a look. I've got these stats in front of me here. It's good. Yeah. He's, he's he started the started the West Coast in the top thirty, uh -huh. and he left the West Coast in the top twenty. So he increased ten spots on the tour of putting out west. So that tells me that he's 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 putted very well on the West Coast. And the ball striking's been really good as well. I mean, if you look at where is he? He is. I mean, in the twenties, he's fluctuated from twenty seventh to twenty second. So if you're in the top thirty in any of these stats, you are in the in the elite category on tour. Mm -hmm. And scrambling is his highest, but it's uh, he's improved. I mean, highest over the course of the year so far was 88. He's now down to 62nd. So again, improvements in his game. So Tom Hoagie loved the odds. But then when we started diving into that little trend today, Keith Mitchell, very hard to overlook Keith Mitchell right now. And he's 60 to 1. So the odds definitely show it. But he has been doing great. We've learned a lot and seen a lot of Keith Mitchell at the uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am. He finished um, top five at Pebble Beach and at the Genesis as well. And he likes this golf course. He's had two top six finishes here. Um, and when you look at the, the long iron shots, 175 to 200 yards for the season on the tour, he's ranked third. So... Really good stats for Keith Mitchell um, and good odds at 60 to 1. And he's another guy who, when you look at ball striking, he's got improvements every week down at 23rd. And putting average, huge improvements from 167th at the start of the year to 50th after the Genesis. I was going to say, can you imagine going out west, 167th ranked putter on tour? Like your confidence level going out to... California must have been zero, and you leave California 50th in putting. You you climbed over 110 people out on the um, West Coast, had a, a bunch of good finishes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's amazing to me. So that 
that's kind of what we're looking at, Diane. We're trying to catch these guys when they're going up because we know they don't. We know they don't stay up the whole year. Uh huh. Um, and we look at that putting, that improvement. He's a guy that lives on the East Coast, you know, so heading yeah. out and putting on those poor greens to have so much success and such an improvement is just excellent. So Keith Mitchell at 60 to 1. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll pick two. <laughs> Keith and Tom Hoagie at 125 to 1 as well. Well, 110 to 1 he's sitting at today. So, all we, right. We have... We haven't talked about our number one, two, and three players in the world, and we won't be now that we are now going into our long shots. John Rahm, of course, Scotty Scheffler, and Rory McIlroy. Those three are the big guns. Wouldn't be surprised if they were paired together. Rory McIlroy's data is not very good at the moment. Uh, maybe not quite settled after his win in Dubai. Not sure what's going on with Rory. He played with Jason Duffner at Phoenix in the last round. Duff said he wasn't on. He wasn't on his game all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Scotty Scheffler, of course, is on his game. And John Rahm, of course, is crazy. He's only played this tournament once. Of course, Scotty Scheffler is the defending champion, Diane. But what do you see out of those three? I, I just can't pick John Rahm every week. And he's a left-to-right player. This course is predominantly right-to-left. Really suits someone that can sort of, someone like a Will Zalatoris that can draw the ball, will take off a ton of yardage. If John Rahm, if they played together, you would see it on TV. But... Um, can he do it again? Well, and as we said about Ram, he's he's skipped this event. He's only played it once before. He hasn't had the success he's had on the West Coast over on the East Coast. Um, he's definitely the favourite. And we've talked about the fact that he's had all these worldwide wins um, and he's playing amazing. He's world number one. Um, he's plus 650 this week. <laughs> you know, are we stupid for not picking him? Is everyone stupid for not picking John Ram? Um, but as you say, like I think we would be doing a little bit of a disservice if we just came out and said we're going to pick Ram, Rory, and Scheffler. Um, you know, Rory really is weak. yeah plus eight fifty. <laughs> you know, of course he's won here before and came from what six shots back to win on Sunday. Um, and then Scheffler, who played out of his mind last year in really really tough conditions in the final round to get the win and he's back to defend this week after winning again at the, the Phoenix Open just a few weeks ago. So he's plus a thousand. It's hard not to pick them, but then like, you know, it's not the it's not the aim of our show. <laughs> it's just to come out. There's and- no way that there's no and there's no way, Diane, that they could be thinking about tuning up for next week. Mm-hmm. I know all three of them would love to knock off the players championship. I know Ram would particularly because, you know, that is a course that not necessarily favors a power player like Ram, but it will suit him uh, with a with a with a power fade. Um, it's not a, it's not a warm up week by any means, but like you say, we just can't pick him every week. And I just don't think Ram's experience around here this week, playing left to right, very aggressive, is going to find himself across these dog legs a little bit because there's no way Ram is laying up on all these holes. He's going. He's the best driver in the world. You know. I'm going with Seamus Power. Okay. And I'm going with Will Zalatoris. <laughs> so we have our um, dark horses. So guys over 100 to 1. And, you know, because of the quality of the field, it's quite easy to find really great players 
yeah. that are higher odds this week. Um, do you want, I'll kick off with mine because, again, yep, yep. this is a guy that when I told you his name, you were like, I was looking at him too. Someone that's coming over from playing the DP World Tour. He's 150 to 1, and my pick is Ryan Fox. Again, another guy who's had a very impressive start to 2023. He's had three top 20 finishes. Um, two of those were in the United Arab Emirates and then one in Singapore. The wind in Orlando is not going to phase him. He's from New Zealand. He's won in Scotland before, for goodness sake, in October. <laughs> so he's used to playing in these bad, windy conditions. And I'm not saying Orlando is going to be bad this week at all. Um, it's first time playing here. And we obviously don't get the stats from Ryan Fox um, in the same way because he doesn't play PGA Tour predominantly. But, you know, let's... Uh, he's not going to be phased by being first of all around these big players I think he's going to really relish the opportunity I think he's going to love this course too um, so Ryan Fox at 150 to 1 he's my dark horse Ryan Fox is the best player that nobody's ever heard of uh, comes from a big athletic family his dad was a rugby, famous rugby player he's a big guy, huge, huge man super powerful if we did have stats on him We'd be looking at green boxes with him, like in the top five in in uh, all the driving categories, all the irons. He's about the same size as uh, John Rahm, Diane. I'm talking, of course, about Ryan Fox. Yeah, very exciting player. I'm I'm so happy that he's going to be here for two weeks to let the American public see, and hopefully he can get himself into contention and see what he's all about. Slightly unorthodox swing, but very powerful, just amazingly powerful, like like a John Rahm. So, looking forward to seeing. Ryan Fox, he, he was on my list. I had him pegged there. But I'm looking at Aaron Wise. I'm staying with the trend, Diane, of watching players that are moving up in their putting performance. Aaron Wise is top 10 on tour in putting. Um, hits the ball good. I mean, birdies everywhere. He's ninth in putting, 59th in ball striking. He's just there in every category. He's 100 to 1, and I just – you know, I'm looking at Aaron Wise to having a great week this week. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, where is he sitting in FedEx right now? 66th in the FedEx standings. Um, but yeah, someone like Aaron Wise, he's... Hasn't played that much. Yeah, and he's been on our radar for a while. Um, great, yeah. great iron player, so... All right, I like it. So I'm going with Ryan Fox at 150 to 1 and you have Aaron Wise at 100 to 1. Aaron Wise has played pretty good He's played. He's played four times here, and he's made the cut three. Okay. Uh, so and played okay last week. Top thirty at the Honda. So yes, I'm trying to catch Aaron Wise on the way up at 100 to one. Okay, great. Well, this week Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill. I've seen some great stuff on social media where they, uh, you know, every year now they're really honouring him. And uh, one thing that Arnold Palmer was always very famous for is writing letters to everyone who won on the PGA Tour. My brother has a letter from him and it's actually hanging up in my parents' garage at their house. I saw it the other day. Um, he's got a couple from him. But... They are putting copies of those letters up. Um, I think it's in the locker room this week, but just, you know, such a, a lovely touch and there's going to be a lot of special stories and um, really things to honour him this week. Every time you met Arnold Palmer, you felt like you were the most special person in the world. I'll give you an example. I was taking my son Sam when he was about 11 years old to the tournament and Arnold Palmer was in the locker room having lunch and I walked over to him as he saw me and he raised his eyebrows to come over 
And I, I went over and I, I said, hey, I want you to introduce you to my son, Sam. Mm-hmm. Arnold Palmer stood up, looked at Sam as an 11-year-old boy and shook his hand and said, welcome, welcome to Bay Hill. Oh. And Sam will never forget that moment. Like that's going to be, that will have a huge impact on him. Sam has a flag signed from uh, Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, and Jack and, and Gary Player inside the Masters box. Okay. He got that day. They were all there that day, and oh. he had a Masters flag, and all three of them signed it inside the the Masters flag. So, and Arnold Palmer, known for having such an iconic um, signature, and goes back to something that you always said as well. You could always tell, you could make out his full name in his signature because he always wrote it very neatly. Yeah. Arnold Palmer uh, learned that from Jackie Burke back in the day, told him that, uh, you know, all these people would follow Arnold to get an autograph and he would, it would take his time signing Arnold Palmer and, and he'd finish up the crowd, would have to go with him forever because each one of them was very neatly done. Jackie Burke, of course, if you join our club here at Champions, the first thing he asks you to do when you have an interview with Mr. Burke is sign your name, let me see it. And if one of our members just goes like that across there, it's – it's it, it's I promise you it's in bad shape. He tells them they're too nervous. They shouldn't be a member of our club because you can't you can't take a backswing with a signature like that. He said, "I need you to write it again, so I can read it." Wow. So, I was uh, going to say I don't know what he'd think about mine, but normally, do you know when you pay for something now and you have to sign it on these little screens yeah, yeah. and it looks rubbish no matter what? So I'm like, it's nothing like my <laughs> normal signature. That's right. All right. Okay. Well, this week, brilliant week, iconic course. Um, what are we going to say? I got one last story for you, uh, Arnold Palmer story. You want it? Yeah, of course. Because we have footage of this, uh, me, secret. Uh, you know the one that uh, when Arnold Palmer came to Champions Club to play in the Ryder Cup. I think it was 1969, uh, Ben Hogan was the captain and uh, Arnold Palmer was out in a singles match and he got to the turn, uh, uh, it was four down to this uh, European player or actually a British player at the time and Jackie Burke saw uh, Arnold Palmer on the 10th tee and he said, Jackie Burke said to Arnold Palmer, what's the score? And Arnold said, well, I'm four down. He said, well, what about all the, what about this Arnie's army? Where's this big charge? What, where, where, what's going on here? And Arnold Palmer said, what will, you do, what will you do for me if I can come back on this back nine and win this match? Jackie Burke said, he said, you've got no chance. He said, if you win this match, he said, I'll build you a watch right here on the tee uh, when, you get, when you get in. So off goes Arnold Palmer and he comes back from four down. He wins this match. Jackie Burke's in the shower that night thinking about what he's going to do for Arnold Palmer because he told him he's going to build him a watch. So it came to him that Arnold Palmer had 12 letters. So he had a watch made, a clock made with Arnold Palmer all the way around. And today, to that day, they may show his office this week, that clock sits right behind Arnold's desk. That is a fantastic story. Amazing. I'd never heard that before. All right. Well, we're going to have a lot more stories next week because Players' Championship... Always one of our faves uh, because it's a tournament that you have won twice before. You have your own gate at TBC Sawgrass <laughs> that I'll have to walk through next week and get a picture of. But um, we'll be here with our full tour report and, as I said, lots of tales from the Players' Championship next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.